Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Good to have you on the show, Varada. How are you doing today? I'm really good. Uh, thanks for having me, Hadi. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining the podcast. Just a quick uh, introduction for our listeners. Varada Sahu is the co-founder of uh, Mason, which essentially is a co-pilot for your shopping cart. So tell us, what does that mean, Varada? Tell someone who's like eight years old what your company does. You know, it used to be explained like I'm five. I think it's now moved to eight. <laughs> That's what the reading grade is today. But uh, yeah, maybe the easiest way to do it is, is that... Uh, how I also like to tell our customers as well is that, you know, it's become easier for you to come online, but harder for you to grow and scale online, a business online today. What we essentially do is that bridge that journey for you from startup to scale up. And commerce is a very complex universe. There's online, there's offline, there's marketplaces, there's social, there's a lot of different channels where you can potentially be selling on and you can reaching out to customers. What we do is that uh, we bring a super simple AI-assisted solution, which helps you do a lot of these on autopilot. Think of it as a co-pilot to the way that you operate your online business today. That's what we do, a shopping co-pilot. Amazing. So if you compare it to someone who doesn't have that co-pilot, what were the tasks previously done by a human versus now with your pilot? Yeah, so oftentimes what you'd see, and this usually comes down to some of those learnings also, which we built up over the years as we kind of worked with brands, building out some of this infrastructure within marketplaces as well. And you know what? Oftentimes brands and entrepreneurs think that the first way to kind of come and uh, set up my business online is kind of get my store online. Maybe I'll use a Wix, maybe I'll use a Shopify, maybe I'll use something else to kind of come online. But the hard part on an everyday basis is that what do my customers want to see? What kind of products do they need to see? How do I ensure that they get the right set of prices? How do I ensure that they get the right set of offers? How do I engage them within my store? Does every customer have the same kind of a journey? And oftentimes those are not linear because every customer that's coming in is slightly different. It's slightly individualized to why you have come across the brand and what you have come across the brand for. And so a large part of it comes down to operating your store almost on an everyday basis, but not only operating on an everyday basis, so also operating for every individual customer that's coming in through the door. And so you have these large set of drop-offs that happen for an entrepreneur today where you see that, you know, there's only two out of every hundred customers that come to your store, they end up buying from you. And that's like on a good day uh, for most brands. And it's a difficult job because a large part of it comes down to selling, comes down to understanding consumers. And that's really where the heart of selling comes out is that if you can find the right kind of messaging to give in front of people, the right set of products, the right set of offers, all of those. What we do is that say that, hey, you don't have to do all of these by yourself operating it 24 cross 7. And oftentimes we have heard from our own brands that, you know what, online commerce today is so much more complex. It's an always on job. What we do is that we automate a lot of these with the co-pilot. Our engine sits on top of your existing store and it helps you understand consumers and do a lot of these selling based techniques from showing the right products to offering the right prices to giving the right offers to creating the right engagement for customers so that customers stay happy with you and they continue to 
buy from you. So that's what we do today. Again, like a lot of these learnings came from working together with customers across the globe, but also doing a bunch of these within marketplaces as well. Amazing. So if I'm a customer today, what's my user persona looking like to you? So who are you targeting? How do you reach them? What's your value proposition to them? What's your selling point to them? Yeah, so what we do typically is that we start off with looking at customers who have this real pain point of saying that, you know what, the biggest challenge that I face today is growing my business, not setting up my business. Oftentimes, in the early stages of your business, it's about really coming online and setting up that business, not really about saying that, hey, how do I understand consumers and start selling to them? Because at that point of time, you're figuring out your right product market fit of sorts, your messaging fit of sorts. For us, the right set of customers come down to, hey, am I crossing a certain amount of threshold in terms of revenue that is going through my store? Am I already selling to a few customers every month? And that usually comes down to say that hey, if you're doing at least a thousand orders every month, it's really a sweet spot for you to start thinking about why is a thousand not really going to 10,000 fast? I still have a bunch of customers coming in through that door, but there's not enough of them buying. So there's at least a thousand orders that you're doing. And that's really the sweet spot for us to kind of start off with. The second part of it is there are certain businesses which naturally today are a lot more about us. Think about all the businesses that are like, whether it's fashion, whether it's personal care, whether it's health and supplements, whether it's pet care, whether it's home and furniture. You know, all these businesses are things that touch our everyday lives. We want those products to be designed for us or made for us rather than being sold everything that's just out there. So they're a lot more personal and we tend to also expect the same out of brands today. Can you deliver us more personalized experiences? So these are typically the categories that we kind of work with and also the kind of customers in terms of the scale that they have hit, which is doing at least a thousand orders within your own stores, uh, number of customers within these categories. That's really the sweet spot for us. Of course, we work with larger brands today, where the largest brand for us is a $100 million brand today. And yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing this story. So take us back to your early days. How did you acquire your first few customers? What strategies, frameworks, tactics did you deploy early on? Yeah. So if I look back and rewind the clock to the real early days, you know, some of those Early days, uh, how we get started to where we are today, they oftentimes look very different because the strategies and tactics keep evolving as you go through that whole journey of uh, getting those customers, growing with them and learning from them and so forth. But the early days, really, it was a lot about we initially had a bunch of those learnings having worked a bit in the marketplaces. And maybe I'll dial the clock back on my own personal story as well. Uh, I'd worked for some time within marketplaces, building out some of these uh, infrastructure for brands to help them scale up their businesses. And incidentally, had seen a lot of these th challenges firsthand for brands. And so when me and my founding team really came together, we said that, you know what, lot many more brands globally who don't have access to similar infrastructure and they are having similar problems, but they want to have their own online stores. Uh, we said that, can we help them start by helping a few of them. And we had an initial hypothesis about, hey, this would be the right solution to the problem. And uh, maybe we can start reaching out to brands we already know at this point of time to help them who already have an online store. So first uh, set of getting those first few customers was really about knocking doors with the first set of uh, folks that we knew over there. And that was really about it, getting that first initial feedback from. We traveled a lot Back in those days, I remember we had gone to the US, we were in Southeast Asia, in Singapore, we are in Vietnam, we are uh, traveling in different parts of India just to get feedback. And the whole idea was to triangulate whether this was like a common problem. 
almost in some sense. And so for us, the first set of customers was really about knocking doors on different brands, getting that initial feedback from them, and then kind of using that to kind of jumpstart to the next stage. Hey, like this looks to be the right problem. This is a common problem across each one of them. And hey, here's a kind of solution that really fits that bill. We use that as a jumping pad for then what continues to be like growing together with customers subsequently, right? Uh, yeah, so so that's a little bit of what I would say is that that first initial jump off about how we got our first initial customers. Uh, oftentimes at that point of time, it was uh, almost what you'd call doing sales was a lot of those hard knocks and cold knocks on doors, even with people who we didn't know. We would ask literally everyone under the window that we knew that, hey, could you introduce us to X person in that brand? We just want to get some feedback in through the door. And so there were all of those early learnings that we had as we kind of went through that whole cycle of learning from customers. So Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So you validated your idea, you collected customer feedback, you built your products. The next batch of customers, what sort of strategy did you deploy that now is becoming more and more scalable? It's something that you're using. Are you deploying more of a product-led growth strategy where the product sells itself? Or do you have a sales team that follows up on accounts and tries to land them over, over a period of time? That's also been an interesting growth for us over the period of time. And I think you see that, in fact, just today itself... Uh, Open view. Uh, I think Kyle Pola just published this whole drop, this whole uh, report about wh- where you know PLG teams tend to spend more on sales than traditional sales-led teams, and I think it's been also a very similar realization for us that you know PLG is great for you to get a foot into the door, but oftentimes to kind of get customers to see value across the entire product portfolio and the product spectrum, you've got to help customers see that value because it's a busy world, as you'd well know. All of us have a lot of different things to do. We don't really have the patience to try out everything that every product has under the umbrella. But we do need that same North Star. We want to get better at what we do. We want to grow faster. We want to make more business. So these are all common objectives, but we don't have the patience to almost say that, hey, it, this should be the product that really kind of gets everything done for me. And so you've got to kind of ha- have uh, folks on the ground to help them see that value. And that's really where sales really shines, where we still have a great product-led funnel where customers discover us organically because of our content, because of our product being distributed, being integrated with different partners. But the sales and success team really acts like what you say, the human co-pilot for them to kind of help them uh, understand how this really adds value over a period of time. So I don't see product-led and sales-led really being uh, what you say, differentiated strategies. I see them as two parts of the same umbrella of the Uber growth for an organization today. So, so yeah, so we do have a sales team. We do have a growth team, which kind of really looks up optimizing product funnels and they kind of work really well with each other. Amazing. So t- take us to the hundreds customer, uh, if you've reached that milestone. How did the acquisition strategy change? So you talked about doing early knock on doors. It's more of your time rather than the strategic frameworks that, that I'd like to reach out with you. So is there any things you could share with us that you do today that are helping you acquire more customers? 
Yeah, so what has happened as a part of that has been the change in the way that we look at our overall acquisition and growth strategy from this zero to 100 stage. The zero stage and the early stage is obviously more of a discovery stage. So you've got to kind of stay close to your customers and you knock on doors, you kind of figure out whether this is the right problem to validate. But then that's not really a scalable strategy. That's where you kind of figured out the problem in some sense and the nature of the solution. But you've got to figure out how to build that product which can really help customers bridge that solution gap. How do you get that product out to market by distributing it? So you've got to find your integrations, your channel partners that are really going to help you succeed and get your product in front. You've got to get your content strategy right. So because anytime you're building a product, you've also got to educate your customer base how the product has value. So you've got to tell that to your customers. So a large part of that initial zero to what I would say 50 to 60 customers that really came in because the product really did the job on its own and it still continues to do the job on its own but as you've kind of crossed that threshold of today we work with over 800 odd customers across the globe all at different stages there are early product-led teams and there are uh, teams which completely come in via an inbound funnel and then we have sales assist who kind of touches people who have kind of qualified either through the product funnel or through the inbound funnel the uh, difference that has happened as we have kind of crossed over those thresholds has been this mix of the sales teams that have now come into the place where you've said that you know what the products already broadened in scope a little bit now customers are able to self-serve themselves into a singular use case but they're not able to find the full value within the solution so then you've got to kind of think about how does my growth strategy change because i've got to now bring in a sales team which can help them see that value how does my success setup change? Because now they have got to proactively start reaching out. Even after I've discovered that initial use case, how do I get to see those adjacent use cases within the product? So you've got to kind of think a little bit different in terms of how you grow the business as you go from that PLG shift to now bringing in sales assist uh, into the mix. And so, so those are the ways that uh, how we have grown product strategy and our growth strategy over the uh, time. Yeah. Amazing. Tell us a principle that you live by that has helped you in, in setting up uh, all your successful ventures. You're not a first-time founder. You're a multiple founder. Is there anything that you live by? Yeah, so I like to think about uh, that, you know what, uh, in life, uh, compounding is an underrated strategy. And we oftentimes uh, mistake in terms of saying that, hey, we've got to try out new things. We've got to jump across and things. But, you know, oftentimes if you keep on investing, the value starts compounding over a period of time and you start seeing those things kind of manifest itself in very different ways. It could be investing in yourself. It could be investing in your team. It could be investing in growth. It could be investing in different parts of your business. But as long as you understand the value of compounding, I think it's a very underrated strategy. For me, that's also been a fundamental principle via which I've kind of anchored some of those things that I do in life because I say that, hey, I invest in the people around me, I kind of tend to see those benefits multiply. It just becomes easier to work with them over a period of time. It's like people you know, you know how they tick, you know what kind of brings them together. It's the same with customers. You invest in them, they start bringing you more customers through the door. That's like one thing that kind of stands out for me is uh, investing in uh, things that compound. Yeah. Amazing. One last question. What's next for Mason? I mean, the way that I see it is that the world's fast changing. I mean, all of us are not in, uh, unaware about the fact that generative AI and AI is having on the space today, especially with, across all sectors. And we see that kind of being one of those 
massive movements across the entire software ecosystem. I mean, in some sense, the way that we do work itself changes, the way that we interact with software itself changes. For us, it's kind of helping merchants and brands and entrepreneurs kind of bridge that gap. Because as AI also comes into the mix, it's also being ability to work with AI-based systems. That's also becomes like a primary skills. For us, as I kind of move forward with Mason is saying that, hey, can we help more entrepreneurs scale up? Can we help entrepreneurs grow by bringing the more friendly AI systems into the mix? And so that's how I see the growth for Mason in the future. Thank you for stopping by, Barada. That was an amazing episode. How can people reach you? I am on Twitter. Post sometimes I'm on LinkedIn. And please hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'd be happy to kind of share back some of my thoughts. I sometimes post, but please find me there. Thank you and good luck with your venture, Barada. Thank you for having me, Adi. Uh, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the first 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers. 